0: To the Cop's Table podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Joining me tonight, co hosting is our editor, Dave Curran, who's uh, kindly agreed to come on and uh, take Peter's place while he's out on a Christmas night out. So thanks very much for that, Dave. Not at all. Happy to be here, Pete. Excellent stuff. On the guest side of things tonight, we have James Pearce from the Liverpool Echo, Liverpool FC reporter. Been doing the press conference today with uh, Jurgen Klopp and an interview with Jordan Henderson. Been a very busy man, so thanks for uh, taking the time out to come on to the show, James. No worries. Good stuff. And on the Everton side of things, we have Tony Scott. Tony is the Everton writer for the Liverpool Echo, and you can also check out Tony's new Betting Tips page at ScottyBetTV. How's how's that channel going, Toe? It's going really well. Um, James did his prediction today. If you want to go online and see and check it out, Not too yeah, we'll put. Uh, the prediction boss, we'll put a little, um, we'll put a little link up to that on the coffee table page uh, later on. If you send us the link, to. So, sure, you're welcome. Okay, then Tony, we're gonna head over to to yourself first. Looking back at the the game against Arsenal, how in, impressed were you with Everton, especially in the <laughs> second half? And in terms of uh, tactical changes, what did Ronald Koeman do to get Everton back on the front foot in that game?
1: Um, first and foremost, it it was jaw dropping. Really, we just didn't expect that that type of performance from from Everton at all. As in regards to tactics and and everything else, it, it was a case of we went with basically the same again the four one four one four one formation. But what happens is that we literally Evan were getting passed off the park for the first twenty minutes and we're going nowhere until James McCarthy made the tackle and then Ross Barkley did, and the crowd get going, and it all came from there. So. As in regards to tactics and whatnot, I think there was not much difference in what Ronald Koeman changed. The personnel was quite different, and and Valencia came in, and James McCarthy came in, Gareth Barry rested. So, I think the personnel was quite different, but as in regards to the formations, it was quite more or less the same, but regardless to a couple of tackles from James McCarthy and Ross Barkley, things just changed, the crowd got going, and it it all stemmed from there.
0: Yeah, it just looked like, like you say, the first 20 minutes, Arsenal had um, control of the game, and then... Everton seems to sort step it up again. and he they seemed to be quicker in the tackle and that he was he was first to the ball, playing some quick passes and just looked a lot more overall speed wise. They looked quicker in, in everything they was doing, didn't he? Second half.
1: They did. I think what 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 I think you can do it to Arsenal. They've been renowned for the soft sense that over the years, haven't he? That you can you can get at them in Arsenal, like if you can get up and out of at Arsenal, then they to be got at if you if you let them control the game and and let them pass it round. There's not many teams that can live with them. So, in regards to that, I think Everton knew the way he had to get out of Arsenal. Whether they do it on Tuesday, whether Liverpool... Or sorry, on Monday. Whether Liverpool will be able to cope with that is remains to be seen. But as in regards to coming up towards Monday, I think it'll be more or less the same. I think the team will be the same in regards to... I think there'll be one change. I think Phil Jagielka can obviously suspend us. I think Romero, Funes Mori will come straight in for them. But I think the tactics will be exactly the same. Get out and get after Liverpool. See from the off.
0: Like you say, Gareth Barry was was rested for that game. Do you see Cumin bringing him straight back into the starting lineup, or is he going to have to be with content with a, a place on the bench? Do you think?
1: I think he'll have to sit this one out again. Although he a new contract today, didn't he? along with Mason Holgate and Leighton Baines. I think for this type of match, it, it it's whether Ronald Cumin goes with the experienced head in the middle of the park. Gareth Barry's been there, seen it, and done it. And he's played in Manchester derbies, he won leagues, FA Cups. <laughs> He's been there and done it, but I think what this with this fixture needs is it needs legs, and Garrett Barry no longer has that. And the way Everton needs to play, and the way Ronald Koeman wants them to play, I think Gatterbadi will will become more of a squad player, and the likes of a, just a guy in James McCarthy and players who are going to be linked with in January, they need to be mobile and be, have legs up and down the pitch. And I think that's what James McCarthy offers more than what to towards Garrett Barry.
2: Spot on, nice one. So, James, we got the three points there against Middlesbrough, you know, after a couple of maybe less than desirable results um, against Bournemouth and West Ham. You know, what really impressed you about the performance on Wednesday? Uh, I think there was a lot to
3: admire, really. I think it, it, I thought it was probably the most fluent Liverpool have played attacking wise uh, since before the last international break. Certainly, the, you know, the, I think they, they got back that kind of sparkle and swagger that they'd lost, really, over the the month that they had been without Coutinho, um, you know, especially second half. I think first half was a, a little bit of a struggle. I thought Middles- Middlesbrough did well. You know, I think you have to look at their record to see. You know, they're well organized, resilient. Um, you know, I think they would conceded very few goals this season. Obviously, had it, gone to Aston and got a point. Gone to Man City and got a point. Uh, Chelsea had only won one nil there. So you know, I expected it to be tight, and first half it was like that. But second half, Liverpool just absolutely blew them away, and. You know, obviously, Lana got a lot of the plaudits, and and rightly so. It's been absolutely transformed under Klopp. Um, you know, loads of other positives. I thought Firmino, you know, that was much more like the Firmino we saw earlier on in the season after his recent recent blip. Mane, you know, it, you know, on another night he could have got a couple of goals himself if he'd finishing a bit better. But you know, he was involved in all three goals. Uh, and Divock Origi, you know, talk about players needing to step up in the absence of big names and. He's certainly done that with 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 five goals and five games, and then, you know, at, at the other end, you know, I thought Simon Mignolet completely repaid Klopp's faith in him with with the performance that he produced. Uh, and in front of him, you know, Clavan and Lovren, um did really well as well. Negredo the, the barely got a kick, so it was yeah, it was just just one of those nights which was just about perfect all round, really.
2: No, I, I I felt myself that you know it took us maybe twenty minutes just to get back into our stride again, and I'm sure there was. A, you know, a little bit of tension there. You know, we've got come off the back of two results where maybe shouldn't have. You know, we maybe thought we would get more from. But you mentioned Adam Lallana, who to me is probably the most improved player in that squad since since Klopp's arrival. You know, we were very frustrated as a fan base. We were very, very frustrated with him. But what, what Klopp has done to him and it seems to have transformed him. Um, he just seems to go from strength to strength. James, what what do you think Klopp has instilled in him? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would certainly
3: agree that probably he kind of epitomises the transformation under Klopp over the last fourteen months. I think you know if you looked at one player who was there already and, and what he's now become, you know, he probably the, the biggest improvement has been with Lallana. Right? I think I think the change of position this season has been has been a, a masterstroke by him. I just think you know, although it's you know, it doesn't seem like much, does it really? From you know, playing on the side of a, of a front three to Playing as a, an an attacking central midfielder, but I just think he's able to influence the game more from that that role. He's got more of the pitch in front of him. Um, you know, he's in the thick of it. He, he's now that key link between midfield and attack. And, and I think I saw a stat the other day that said and I don't think there's another English player in the Premier League who's been involved in more goals than him in the uh, so far this season. Six six goals, six assists. You know, and I, and I think he, even his first goal the other night kind of just showed the the confidence that he's playing with now you know you don't you don't have adam lalana down as a player who scores bullet headers at the back post uh, he um you know the, the just the, the desire and you know just the movement and anticipation he showed to to, to get on the end of that klein cross you know he's he's just such an intelligent footballer and i think we, i think we've seen that you know th- throughout his liverpool career that you know he's he, he's he's got so much natural talent but the the, the frustration was always that he didn't Really seemed to hurt teams that you know when he did nice things they weren't in particular dangerous areas, but you know he he certainly put that right this season and you know and he's been absolutely crucial to Liverpool's success.
0: Excellent stuff. Cheers, James. Okay, back over to yourself, Tony. Speaking to um, to a few of the Everton lads who I know they they've been saying that Lukaku's looked slightly isolated at times this season, and they they saying they'd like to see see him have a partner or someone up alongside him. Just to just to give him that little bit of extra help, is that something that you'd uh, agree with?
1: Yeah, I can I can echo them comments you know, sincerely. I think with Rom, it looks he he he's the type of player that needs a kick off a defender or maybe a punch or anything that to get him going. I think if he gets that goal, then his, his whole go- game changes completely. I think in regards to a sense of forward alongside him, I think he, he sometimes he does need that. He needs support. I think. It was evident this season when Ross Barkley was the, the support midfielder to help him out, and it just weren't coming. He was so he was isolated for large chunks of, um, of the season. So when regards to this, a centre forwards, I don't think that's the way Ronald Koeman wants Everton to play with two centre forwards. I think he's happy with maybe a three behind Ron. but I, I don't be surprised if you see another centre forward bought in January. Uh, he needs back up, and you've got to just uh, get sorry you've got uh, a name You've got Irina Kone nowhere near good enough. They're not even getting on the bench lately. So he's brought in end of Valencia at the moment. He's doing a job supporting Rom, which is helping him. But I think in regards to Rom's performance of the season, he doesn't do that much in games, but he affects games by his goals, doesn't he? His goal scoring record's there for all to see. Sometimes he needs the centre-forward alongside him. Sometimes he doesn't. He's just that type of player that as soon as he gets that kick up the backside from a defender or one goes in off his knee, then his whole game changes but in regards to he needs that support, yeah, I totally agree, he does need support from midfield runners, I agree.
0: It's strange, isn't it, because you don't see many teams at all in the Premier League, or, or basically European football in general, where they play two strikers, it's always the one up front now, isn't it, with, with like you say, three supporting midfielders. Liverpool do the same with, with Firmino up front, or Origi, and then you've got the other the backup players coming round him. so it's, it's not so much very human means to isolate him it's just the fact that the other players have got to get round him a lot quicker isn't it?
1: Yeah I totally agree I think not many managers would be adventurous to play two up front these days you look at the team like Chelsea who are blowing everyone out of the water at the moment now they just play Toste up the front now he can do the job of two centre forwards the way he chases defenders down and whatnot, his whole game is, he, he will he will take charge of four defenders if he has to he's that good with regards to if, you need, if you've got one centre forward he's got to put the work in Rom Sometimes will go missing in games. So, if you're playing with the one up front, in regards to you've seen Manchester City normally play, don't they, with Sergio Aguero. you've got to put a shift in. You've seen with Divacarig, haven't you, with Liverpool, you've got to put a shift in. If you don't, you can't just rely on your goal scoring record. And I can see why fans sometimes get disillusioned with Ron because he can go missing in games. But as a harp on about his goal scoring record speaks for itself. And I think he's got about five or six goals past Liverpool, even playing for Everton and West Bromwich Albion, hasn't he? So, I think he's got a really good good goal scoring knuckle past him, and I, I expect that to continue on on, on Monday night.
0: Cheers, up well,
2: Back across to yourself, James. You know, I know Peter and I, as fans, are, are maybe divided on this one. You know, I think I think we both understand what happened, but we have different reasons for for thinking along the lines of Carrius and, and Simon Mingley coming back into the squad. You know, my my opinion would have been we should have left Carrius alone and just let him play through it. Um, obviously, Klopp thought otherwise. Now, Pete would have, would have agreed with that. Is, is it something that you agree with? And do you expect to see maybe Simon Mignolet start the derby against Everton? Uh, well, I certainly think it was the the
3: right call by Klopp uh, to bring Mignolet back in. Uh, I must admit, I was surprised the other the other day on the on route to Middlesbrough when I found out that uh, that Mignolet had been recalled just because you know for the simple reason that Klopp had been you know so strong in his his defensive carriers. You know, I thought. You know, it, the indications have been that Carrius was gonna 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 keep his place, and Klopp was gonna have him play through this period. But to be honest, I thought we'd reached a point where you know, I, I think for a young goalkeeper under the scrutiny and the pressure he's been recently, and and the, the costly mistakes he made against Bournemouth and West Ham, I, I just I just thought it was in everyone's benefit to take him out of the firing line. I just thought, you know, Liverpool were it was costing Liverpool points. And, and I think the other big thing was that Mignolet has been knocking on the door so strongly. I think Klopp touched upon it earlier on today when you know, it wasn't just the fact that that Karius has, has not been good enough. It's it's the fact that Mignolet, since you know he was he was devastated to lose his shirt back in September, but credit to him because you know he's knuckled down. You know he's he's taken on board the areas in which they felt he needed to improve. You know he's he's performed really well in, in the EFL Cup times that he's played. Um, and, and that's why you know i think it was i think it was the the right call it's not you know it, it, people read too much into decisions and you know everyone now is either a massive hit or a massive failure within 10 games i you know i don't go along with the fact that carries isn't good enough I, I just think he's a he's a young goalie who's endured a really difficult start to his liverpool career i think there's no reason why he can't go on and become liverpool one in, liverpool number one in years to come but you know, I, I just think that, that he will benefit from this time away from the spotlight to work on his weaknesses. Um, you know, I, I think it just shows as well that playing for Liverpool is very, very different than than playing for, for a lesser club. I think, you know, people will say, yeah, he was voted the, the second best keeper in the Bundesliga last season. But, you know, playing for mines, playing for Liverpool is, is absolute chalk and cheese. And, you know, I, I think he's struggled under that spotlight and, you um, you know, when you've got someone like Mignolet waiting in the wings, I think it was a no-brainer to bring him back.
2: No, absolutely. So, w- you know, the way you would see it now, James, obviously, Mignolet keeps the shirt. It's up to him to lose it, and we're we're now into yeah. uh, a competition basically for the for the goalkeeping shirt.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think you know, I I, th- I, I don't you know, I think I think the only the only t- you know the, the time when Mignolet loses that shirt now will be when his you know standards slip over a, over a, a period of games. You know, I think you know, Klopp didn't want to. Find himself in this position where he was chopping the change in the goalie situation. I think, you know, that was why back in September time, you know, he he made that call. And I think, you know, if you'd asked him then, he he wouldn't have expected probably Simon Mignolet to play another Premier League game this season because, you know, he he kind of nailed his colours to the mast. He said Carrius is my number one, Um, but you know, things didn't quite work out. And you know, I, I must admit, even you know, it's not just the benefit of hindsight. I think even in September i didn't think mignolet had done an awful lot wrong to lose his place and you know I, I and I think you know I think I think the other thing with minignolet I think maybe we've seen a side to him that maybe I didn't know was there and probably a lot of fans didn't know that it was there that you know he's I think it, it's always been a perception that he's too nice and and you know and not probably tough and hard enough but you know I think he's shown that he is mentally strong and that he does have an edge to him the way that the way that he's he's fought back you know it would have been Easy to just sulk and and accept his fate, but he hasn't. You know, and the fact that he's he's earned his place back. Of course, part part of that is down to Carrius's mistakes, but it, it's also testament to to the attitude and the application that Mignolet has shown in training and in the games when he has played.
0: Yeah, just just before I uh, go back across to Tony. Yeah, James, just about today's press conference. Did the uh, club give any updates on the the injury situation? I know he said that Mignolet will be starting the game, didn't he? <coughs>
3: He did, yeah. Um, I mean, injury-wise, you know, he, I think probably the, the big concern is Joel Matip missed the Middlesbrough game the other night uh, due to an ankle problem, and it's it's a difficult one because he said it's it's a it's a problem he's had for about three weeks now, uh, and he said you know it's been some times where he's been able to play with it, obviously against West Ham, he he couldn't play with it at, at Bournemouth, um, and he said it's very much a you know a, a suck it and see situation in terms of how he is on a day to day basis, and uh, you know I think. You know, I think, like any Liverpool fan, I think you'd be you'd be a lot more confident gonna Goodison with with Matip in that back four. But I'd, I'd say it's touch and go at the moment. You know, Klopp, Klopp did say that he might have to give him, you know, it might be the best decision to give him an extra few days and and try and get him right for for Stoke on the 27th. So uh, so that's that's probably the the main one. Obviously, if he misses out, then you'd imagine that Clavan would obviously start alongside Lovren. Uh, he said that Emre Chan was was expected to be back in full training. Uh, so I think well he said either either late Friday or, or on Saturday when they train. Um, I'd imagine though Chan would probably be on the bench. You know I, I, I'd be surprised if he if he if he kind of uh, affected that midfield after the way that Henderson and Wijnaldum and Lallana operated the other night. And then further forward, you know, there was kind of some positive news on Sturridge in that he said that again you know, he expected him to be back in team training within 24 hours um anyway he talked about you know you know hoping to get maybe get 20 minutes out of him on monday night and you know obviously there's no chance of sturridge starting the game i think Origi's earned that right to lead the line at goodison but um you know i think again it would be a huge boost if sturridge was on that bench because one thing liverpool haven't had in the last two or three games is is attacking options uh on the on the bench so you know to have him if you need a game changer, would uh, would would certainly
0: be a, a big plus. Cheers, James. Yeah, you wasn't that uh, journalist in the press conference whose phone went off, was it? And Klopp said he was going <laughs> to find you.
3: <laughs> no, I was not not guilty on that front. I, my, no, I, that has happened to me before, but I've I've learnt the lesson. I've, i have it on
0: flight mode now. Excellent. Cheers, James. Okay then, Tony. Looking towards January, with the window about to open shortly. Do you see Ronald Koeman strengthening his squad? And um, if he does, what positions are you likely to see him adding to? Yeah, I do.
1: I think he he's went public on this one, hasn't he? He's. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, you could name five or six players coming in in January. That many would go along the lines of goalkeeper situation. Yeah, I think that needs. Um, so I know I think he's got. He, he's even made that public, hasn't he? He needs a goalkeeper. He, like, just touching what James says. I think that's refreshing. What Jurgen Klopp's done there. He, he could have easily been stubborn, like the majority of managers, Jose Mourinho Pep Guardiola, when they make their decisions on their goalkeeper. You see with the Joe Art situation, yeah. they normally nail their colours to the master. If their goalkeeper's not good enough, then fine. But Jürgen Klopp's out. he's had the he's basically admits that he was wrong about carriers and he's brought Shana Mignala in, hasn't he? So that just shows you that he isn't stubborn and he's admitted yeah, I made a mistake and he's been brought back in. That's refreshing of a manager and it shows you that he can he can adapt and he can he can make changes. Well, I think Ronald Cucman's very similar. He needs another. He basically wants another another goalkeeper. He doesn't he doesn't see Joel as, as a fit number two. He wants two goalkeepers fighting out for the same jersey. So I wouldn't be surprised if you get a goalkeeper in there. A right back a possibility. He's only got Seamus Coleman. He has stated that Mason Holgate can do a job at right back. But I I wouldn't be surprised if he was to see another center off, another centre midfielder. He he got done on the last day with him. Um, so so didn't he? So don't be surprised if you see in into the fold, and obviously he needs reinforcements on the wings because he doesn't see Gerard Delafeu or Kevin Morales as, as a certainty to to stay in his plans. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Memphis Depay comes in as well. So I think there's going to be about five or six signings in come January, and don't be surprised if you see three or four going out that way.
0: Yeah, that was going to be the next one. Do you, do you see actually see him trimming in the squad slightly as well?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of fringe players he's, he's told that Umani has probably. Possibly one of the worst buys in the club's history. He's basically told him where to go. He, there's been rumours that he hasn't even given him a locker and he's been training with the under-23s. Avuna Kone is another one, another one who's just not even getting into the fold. Then you've got Mo Besitz, he's who's currently injured at the moment. You've got a couple of fringe players like Darren Gibson, who's just gotten getting nowhere near the squad at all. So don't be surprised if you see three or four of them just being shipped out or so even on loan just to get them off the wage bill.
0: Excellent, Excellent. cheers then, Tony. Okay, Dave, do you want to head back over to James? James, same question for you really. Um, you know, on
2: on the the transfer front for January, number one, do, do you see uh, I know that we're we're looking at a number of players of several sources, I know that, that there's there's interest. But do you actually you know, with Liverpool it can be quite frustrating at times we get so far with deals and we traditionally we, we watch them fall in January. Do you do you foresee strengthening and maybe in what areas would would you be looking at?
3: Yeah, I mean I think I think there's only probably one area that, that Liverpool are look to strengthen in January and I think that's probably a, a, a wide forward. I think you know, I think that is that's where Klopp sees, you know, a, a kind of a weakness in the squad. Obviously is it is attacking options have been dented somewhat, obviously with the the loss of Ings for the season, Sadio Mane going to going to the African Nations, you know, pretty much going to miss a month of the season, uh, and obviously as we've seen recently, you know, the, Daniel Sturridge, you you just you just can't bank on him staying fit. So I, I think I think Liverpool have got no choice but to dip into the market in January. You know, they they've got such a position of opportunity with what they've achieved in the first sixteen games of the season. You know, I think to To be well equipped for the, the the battle ahead, I think I think they're going to have to strengthen. You know, I think Klopp. I don't think is interested in any, any short term deals. I think you know he'll he'll want to. You know, it, it won't be. You know, he's not one for quick fixes or anything like that. He'll want to sign someone that that is part of his long term plans. I mean, it obviously I think as it's been well documented, the one that he really wants is Christian Pulisic from Borussia Dortmund, but. You know, I think I think it's highly unlikely that Liverpool will be able to sign him in January. And you know, obviously, Liverpool failed in a bid for him last summer. You know, Dortmund are absolutely adamant. You know, I think Michael Zork went on record again this week as saying that he's. You know, Liverpool told told to Liverpool not to waste their time. So you know, that I think if if that Pulisic one happens, I think that will be one for for next summer. You know, I think you know if he doesn't sign a new contract, there might be a bit of pressure on Dortmund. To to sell, um, but so I think Liverpool will have to look elsewhere. But yeah, I don't I don't think January be busy. I think you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool make one signing. You know, obviously in terms of outgoings, you'd you'd you'd, you'd expect uh, Mamadou Sakho's Liverpool career to come to an end.
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Sakho there. There was there was rumours on Twitter, and I do stress they were on Twitter, so not not much weight in them. That there was maybe an olive branch being held out for Sakho. But certainly from from the club's perspective, it seems like closed door and we should be expecting him to leave, James.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm certainly not aware of any olive branch. I think I think I think Klopp's mind was pretty much made up about Sacco back in back in August time. I think when he told him he needed to go out on loan to, to get game time and you know, and obviously Sacco went against that, ignored the manager's wishes and then, you know, I, I think probably the final nail in the coffin was probably the uh, the late night Snapchat antics of, of Sacco. I think, you know, you really have to look at the fact he, you know he's not even training at Melwood. You know, it's you know he's, he, he's he's training with the kids at the academy. You know, he's playing for the under-23s. I mean, I must admit, I've heard no complaints from anyone at the academy, players or staff, about his attitude, you know, one, from the under-23 games I've been to. You know, he, he seems to, you know, be, be helping the youngsters and all the rest of it, you know, as you'd expect him, you know, to, to be professional. But, no, I, I think, you know, I think those... He burnt his bridges well and truly, you know, in the summer with his behaviour on the on the pre-season tour, and it's a it's you know it's a sad state of affairs because obviously you know you with with the derby on the horizon you think back to that previous derby back in April and you know, Sacco was you know he was the darling of the cop, wasn't he? He scored that night. He'd scored in that that amazing fight back against Dortmund the week before. You know he was a he was a key part of the team, and then you know, things quickly unravelled with you know, obviously the. Uh, the the, well, the what was at the time was, was he was accused of failing the drugs test. Then obviously he was exonerated and, and cleared, but you know, having already served that, that temporary ban. Um you know and, and you know, and although he was treated badly by UEFA, you know, the, the bottom line was that he'd still taken a substance without Liverpool's approval, which is which is breaking club rules. And then obviously he broke various club rules with his 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 bad attitude on the tour. So um it's, yeah i mean it's an interesting one because obviously we've seen other players you know come back from 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 difficult situations but I think i think there was even you know Klopp wasn't referring to Sacco but there was a you know even think he was actually referring to Carrius at the press conference today and he said you know he said I never make final decisions about a player you know unless there's an issue with their attitude and you know he, he was you know I think he was basically saying you know don't write carry off just because I've dropped him now but I must admit when he said that I did think of Sacco because um, you know he is you know that been that you know the one player who who was a regular, who um, you know, has completely and utterly dropped off the radar. And I think I think the interesting thing would be how much Liverpool actually get from him because, you know, again, go back seven or eight months and people would probably say, you know, Sacco was I don't know, 20, 20 million plus, probably you know, certainly worth more than what Liverpool paid for him and now with the lack of competitive football he's played that you know I think they'll probably be lucky to get half that.
2: Yep. And also that I would imagine they'll play, you know, any any potential buyers will play on the fact that, you know, he's trouble and that will be pushed to the fore and we could end up sort of quite badly out of that. But one question I do want to ask you before we leave the transfer, James, is you know, most of the fans out there, most of the fans we see on Twitter, they're all baying for a new centre back. I take it there's nothing in the pipelines that you've heard of that would suggest that happening.
3: No, I don't think so. No, I'd be I'd be amazed if Klopp signed a centre half in January. I think he, you know, he's got a lot of faith in you know, obviously Matip and Lovren as his first choice combination. Um, you know, you know, he's a he's a big admirer as well of Clavan who obviously brought in. You know, Clavan's obviously not a a long term option, but um, you know, he's I think you know he, he you know he doesn't he doesn't see him as someone that he's just going to quickly move on you know Lucas Laver again you know he's try tran- tran- you know cha- changed him from a holding midfielder into a center back you know he's still got faith in him and then you've got Joe Gomez and you know, I actually asked him last week about what his plans were for Joe Gomez because there's been a lot of talk about him potentially going out on loan but um you know he was adamant that Gomez would stay and, and be part of the squad in the second half of the season and obviously interestingly you know where Gomez Played for Liverpool at fullback in the early games of last season. You know, pretty much. Oh, I think every game he's played for the under 23s has been at centre back, and that is that's where they see Gomez's future. So, um, so no, I think you know may, maybe a centre back might be one for next summer, depending on how this season pans out. But yeah, I, I don't see him strengthening in that position in January.
0: Okay, thanks, James. Right, back over to yourself then, Tony. Just like to ask you about uh, the Ross Barkley situation. Apparently, he's got. Is it about eighteen? Yeah. 18 months left on his contract, and there's been rumours surfaced of a, a move to Spurs. What's your take on the situation? Do you see him see him signing a new contract, or do you see him being moved on in the future?
1: I see him signing a new contract, at Evan, and maybe even as close to in the summer. There's been rumours that there's been an offer on the table for him. You've seen the three the trio today of Leighton Baines and Mason Holgate and Garabadi, they signed their deals today, didn't they? So. I see yeah. along the lines of Ross Barkley, maybe signing one on in the summer. There's going to be an offer there for him. Everton want to keep him. Obviously, you've seen how much he could be fetched for. You, you know, when regards to English players, what they can go for now, you're talking 30 million before they would even played 20 games now. So, I think Everton <coughs> do is a really good sellable asset if they do fancy selling him. But I, I do fully expect him to sign a new contract. He's adored by Evertonians, isn't he? He's one of their own. He's an Evertonian. He's a scout. So he's he's this number ten that he they, they adore. He's got everything in his locker as well in regards to ability. It's just the attitudes we ha- we haven't seen enough of this season. We've seen it in fits and starts. He's been inconsistent, but we've seen a new Ross Barkley on Tuesday more along the lines of he's done a lot more off the ball than when he did on it, and that that only enhances his future along with Ronald Koeman because that's what he's he wants from him. We know he's got that in his locker. I think Ronald Koeman's—he's went on record this season. He's went public, hasn't he? He's basically told Ross that I've showed him clips, I've showed him, I've shown him videos where he's went wrong. And to be fair to Ross, he, he hasn't had this type of manager that was going to tell him some home truths. Last season, he had a manager that was blowing smoke up his backside, didn't he? He was just telling him how good he was after poor, after poor performances. But now he's got a manager who's basically telling him it as it is, and maybe he doesn't like it. He is a confidence player, Ross, but. It may be some It may have took sixteen games, but slowly but surely, it's filtering through, and he's just shown what he
0: has to do to, to get a shares. Yeah, that that's the point exactly. I was going to make it about him being a, a confidence type of player. Like when he. When his tail's up, there's not much, there's not many better player, English players in the Premier League going forward with the ball at the paces. There, he's got a great touch, he, he's skillful, and he, if he drives at you, then you've got no chance. And I just think back to that. I think it was the FA Cup semi-final when he was coming down the tunnel, wasn't he? And Jagielka I had to tell him that the fans weren't booing it. Um, I just think it, it, it. There's a lot of looking as a. A fan of um, football in general, and someone looking into Everton at Ross Barkley, that he's a player that needs that confidence. He needs that little bit of a little bit of a boost going into games, and and to be told that in um, basically he's good enough to do it. I
1: totally agree. He is. He's still a, quite literally a confidence player, and he, he couldn't be more confident when when the final whistle went on on Tuesday night when when we. Basically, was one of Everton's best best performances on, on the night against Arsenal. He literally tore Arsenal to shreds when he was on the ball. Off the ball, he, I, I realise when, when Gareth Barry was left out of the team, but it was justified when James McCarthy was doing a lot of the legwork. It's just a guy he was, but Ross Barkley off the ball, more than most, was very, very impressive he was getting stuck in. I think he got booked He with throwing tackles in. That's a Ross Barkley we've been wanting to see for many years. Now, don't forget, Ross Barkley been pre- been playing Premier League football for three or four years now. There's no excuses. He has a couple of loans, a Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds, etc. But now, if he doesn't make it this season at Everton, he never will. He's got a manager who's willing to give him that chance. And as I have done before, Roberto Martinez was just basically bigging him up every every last every game last season when he was underperforming, and it didn't do his confidence any any which way, shape or form any well, does it? So I think now he's got that manager who's basically going to tell him how it is. And if he doesn't like it, he's getting told that regardless. And to be fair to Ronald Cooman, it may have took 15, 16 games for him to get his message across, but finally he showed that he can do it.
0: Excellent stuff. Cheers, Tony. Okay, yeah, just a quick one to yourself, James, before we head over to, to the quiz part of the show. Just like to uh, ask you about Jeannie Wynaldum's performances, especially of late. In my opinion, Jeannie's been very good in every game, and a lot of his work's gone, gone unnoticed hasn't got many of the plaudits where you see like Lallana Mane and all them getting getting praised by the by the the press a lot of his, his work's going unnoticed but how impressed have you been with him James?
3: Yeah I think, I think it's a good point I think he has gone under the radar a bit really I've, I've been surprised by him because I think when when Liverpool signed him you know, I'd, obviously I'd seen him you know not not in not regularly but obviously you know when he'd been on the TV playing for Newcastle and you know, he'd very much played, you know, up as part of the front three and, you know, obviously, you know, he'd scored against Liverpool last season and I, I, thought, I thought Liverpool was being like, a, you know, another kind of potent kind of attacking option, but but someone who, you know, wasn't particularly disciplined in terms of a, a team role or anything like that and, you know, he, he's, he's had a much more kind of defensive role than, than I expected him to have and, I think back to you know I remember sitting down and doing an interview with Klopp on the pre-season tour in um, California, and he he was talking then about he said you know you will not believe what a complete footballer Genie Wijnaldum is. He said he said you know he he can play in five six different positions. He said you know this is a rarity what we're getting here you know and I think I think that versatility really appealed to Klopp, um, and I've yeah I, th- I think he sacrificed himself for the team a lot of times and you know he he does a lot of the hard yards and you know the and the dirty work that sometimes that doesn't get the credit you know I think you know, obviously he got that that first goal for the club last month but he, you know he, he hasn't you know he hasn't really had that many opportunities to to make an impact in the final third because you know you, you know I, you, I noticed that you know when there's times in games where you know obviously the two fullbacks get licensed to to really bomb on and you know are effectively wingers at times and sometimes when Aldum is the one that just drops in and you know, and that that kind of discipline and awareness, you know, I think does go unnoticed a lot of the time. You know, and I think you only have to look at, you know, just you know how many games he's played so far, and to, to see just how much Klopp values him. And um, you know, he obviously he's one of the few players, you know, who won't have played in the Liverpool team, who won't have played in the Merseyside derby. But I'd have absolutely no concerns on that front, and in, in terms of in terms of throwing him into the, into that cauldron at Goodison on Monday night, because. He's proved already that he's he's got the talent and he he's got the temperament as as well. And you know, I know from having spoken to him and done interviews, he's he's a really really nice fella as well. And I think that's another thing that strikes you about the players that Klopp brought in this summer. You know, it's not just obviously they've impressed everyone with their talent, but you know, Wijnaldum, Mane, and and Matip as well. You know, very very down to earth, hard working, humble footballers. Uh, you know no real egos whatsoever and um you know and, and i don't, you know, i don't think that's a coincidence i think you know klopp has brought in players with the you know the, the right mentality as 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 well as as well
0: as ability excellent thanks very much james okay then lads what we are going to do now is head over to the quiz part of the show five questions each and um, while everton are at the home team on Monday night we're going to go with uh, Tony first Dave you're you're going to be the referee on this one okay then first question for yourself then Tony who has the most league goals (coughs) for Everton this season from Aruna Kone Ross Barkley or Gareth Barry I'll be Gareth Barry it's actually Ross Barkley with three Kone two and Barry two Mm. OK, then, James, your first question. Who has the yep. most league goals for Liverpool this season from James Milner, Adam Lallana or Divock Origi?
3: Uh, I'd have to go with Lallana. I think all six of his have been in the league.
0: You'd be correct to go with Adam Lallana. Six goals, Milner five, Origi four. Right, second question for yourself, Tony? Who has made the most league starts for Everton this season From Yannick Palasi Seamus Coleman or Gareth Barry That will be Gareth Barry, that one I've got it down as Yannick Palasi with 15 Oh, oh. It, 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 Barry. Is league, leagues, league he's
1: having starts. a nightmare
0: <laughs> This is league start, by the way this is, Yeah, league league starts, yeah I'm sure. this is a Seward's inquiry <laughs> right. Second question for yourself, so Art James, is who has the most starts in the league for Liverpool this season? From Jordan Henderson, Sadio Mane, or Genie Wijnaldum? Henderson, Wijnaldum. Who's the other one? Sorry, Sadio Mane. Oh
3: God. Uh, Mane's missed a game. I think Wijnaldum missed one. Uh, I'll go, I'll go with Henderson.
0: Henderson's the correct answer. He's got 16, Mane 15, and Wijnaldum with 12 Starts in the league. In the league, I'm
1: sure that Gareth Barry was probably one of the first ones missed on on Tuesday night.
0: Do you know what? You're right to question me, Tony, because I was looking at the total appearances. So yeah, you got a point for that one before I was wrong on that. So yeah, uh, I, do, down, I do, I do apologize yeah. there, Tony. Yeah, it's uh, it's Gareth Barry with um, with tw- yeah 14 starts, and just to check the first one to question. I'm sure
1: the score. Scroll- I'm sure Barkley and Barry would with- have got two. Eight.
0: Yeah, definitely a good steward's inquiry this one so because I I must have been looking at the total um, total goals, not Nobody the. Uh, is, it, is that two two? That's going to be two two. Of course, two. James? It's Fucking two hell. two. You were,
3: dead and, you were dead. and buried five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've come back from the dead, can you get Google
1: on in the in the south then, James? You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's two apiece. The next, the next questions aren't related to any sort of scorers or starts in the league. These are all Merseyside derby-related questions. So, we're back over to Tony, aren't we? Who has the most goals in a Merseyside derby? It's either Luis Suarez or Duncan Ferguson. Out oh, of them two, who's got the most goals?
1: Um, I'd have to edge with Duncan Ferguson.
0: Should have edged with Suarez. He got five, oh. Ferguson, four unlucky toe
1: wrong.
0: right James yeah who has the most goals in a Merseyside derby is it Graham sharp or Robbie Fowler
3: oh uh, God, that is
0: a tricky one
3: I will go for
0: Fowler I've got it down as Graham sharp oh. still 2-2 isn't it yeah both got the questions wrong right <laughs> Tony who has the most appearances in the Merseyside derby, is it Kevin Ratcliffe or Alan Hansen? Um, well,
1: it's Alan Hansen.
0: It's Alan Hansen with 33, yeah, and Kevin Ratcliffe 32.
1: Oh, big credit,
0: Jay. <laughs> so we have now. Who has the most appearances in a Merseyside derby? From Neville Southall or Ian Rush? Uh. I have, to go. I have to go Southall. Neville Southall is the correct answer. 41. And I think Rush was 39. Right. Fifth and final question for yourself, Tony. Who has kept the most clean sheets in a Merseyside derby? Is it Bruce Grobelaar or Neville Southall? I'd have to say Big Nev. You're going to go with Big Nev. Correct answer. 15. Grobelaar, 10. Right. Right, James. You need this one to, to draw things level. Right. Who has the most clean sheets in the Merseyside derby from Tim Howard or Pepe Reina? Got to be... Oh, actually... Uh, uh, Howard was there 10 years, when
3: not
0: he? Uh, nah, gotta be, I'll, I'll go with Pepe. You'd be correct to go with Pepe. Eight clean sheets, Howard five. So that ties the, the scores... Right, it's gonna have to go down to a tiebreaker question. So what we do is, I'll read the question out. Right, lads. Here's the tiebreaker question. Doesn't nothing to do with the Merseyside derby. It's just a totally random quiz question. Which city has the most clubs competing in its country's division? Is it Tokyo, Rome, Moscow, or London?
3: Uh, oh, uh, James, London.
1: I'd say Moscow, Tony.
0: Yeah, James actually did come in first, and um, he got the correct answer: London oh, in the Premier League. Dramatic S- late winner! Don't worry, <laughs> Tony. Don't worry, Tony. The, the,
2: the winner of this quiz, their teams lose every week, so that's real bad news for us. <laughs> I'll remember that on Monday
1: night.
0: <laughs> let's hopefully the, the the tide turns on that one, Dave. Yeah, but you're right. It's it's a uh, it's uncanny how it happens each week. they usually the person that. Supports the team of um, that wins the quiz usually loses the game. So fingers crossed that uh, it doesn't work out like that on Monday. But yeah, <laughs> very good uh, very good quiz that lads. Even though my questions went up to scratch as usual, they was slightly off. But Tony got her uh, back in the game through my my little letters there. Right, okay. Just before we before we leave the podcast, lads, I'm gonna uh, read the the bio to the to the lads' song who we're gonna play out. So tonight I'm gonna play. A song for you by a lad from Kirby. His name is Steve Dwyer. He's a massive red singer-songwriter. Just finished his first solo album, named Chapter One. He's available to listen to on SoundCloud. He's not really one for a label with his music, but every song of his tells its own story. You can check him out on Twitter, at Steve Dwyer. He's got a full album here on SoundCloud you can link to. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Footsteps by Steve Dwyer.
4: Come follow in my footsteps. You can jump into my shoes. Come and join me on my journey. You can read it in the news. You can ride along the pain So forget about the madness When you're driving In my Until I'm growing old. Don't worry about the critics when I want to play. I've spread my wings out far, nothing's gonna stop me trying. Heading for the stars and the crazy times to coming not knowing what's to know. So prepare yourself for madness, cause you're headed.
0: thanks very much Tony Scott and thanks very much James Pearce for taking the time out to join us on the Cop Table Podcast I hope you enjoyed the show lads no problem no worries lads no problem at all I'll uh, speak to you guys soon excellent stuff so that's the Cop Table Podcast preview of the Merseyside Derby thanks to everybody for listening and we'll be back with our Stoke City and Manchester City preview in the next week or two thank you very much good night We had high we on the wing, we had
4: dreams and songs to sing of the glory round.